0: And welcome back to another episode of City View with Mayor Tom Koch, a podcast, Quincy Podcast. I'm Mark Carey, his media director. I'm in the boss's office. Hello, Mayor. Hello, Mark. You oh. sound a little filled up. I hope it's not COVID. It's not COVID. Okay, I've tested good. three times. It's not COVID. That's it's just cool. another cold. That the only day. thing you test for? <laughs> this is about the time, folks, uh, if you know the mayor, where he says we're going to take him out back behind the barn and shoot him. I but would never say that. Never. Not at all.
1: No. Let's but move on. But if you
0: were a horse... <laughs> All right, today we're going to talk about a real... Actually, today we're going to talk about the most important thing, the number one thing. What's the number one most important thing that you do? As mayor, to make sure people are safe in their person and in their property. And that is why we're going to talk today about public safety. So, Mayor, let's talk a little bit about that. And that's really fire and and police and and, of course, the EMS services. But let's talk about public safety and why it's so important in a, in a local government.
1: Absolutely. Why is and, it number one? Well, let me just frame it first. I guess, um, you know, in government, local government, you know, we serve the public through many, many ways. We have a number of departments that serve the public. You know, we have public works. We have schools. We have libraries. We have Council on Aging. We've got natural resources and veterans. I, mean, I could go on and on to meet as a city, we meet the mission of each of those departments coming together as one community. Now, clearly, out of all of those missions, which are all equally important, I would suggest that the public safety is the most important. Because if you don't have a safe community, you don't have safe neighborhoods, then nothing else really matters, right? right? And, and we've seen across this country over the last few years really an incredible decline in the quality of life in some major cities and the incredible optic of crime and those activities uh, surrounding crime, whether it's, you know, uh, drug use and stabbings and rapes. And I mean, it's it's very disturbing to see what's going across this country. And and there's no outrage, it's, it's yeah. bizarre to me. The, the pic of the inner cities and some of these places, but you see those images in San Francisco and parts of California. <laughs> You know, we know the inner city of Baltimore and Chicago and so many other places. It's like we've just accepted it and written it off, and uh, it's it really is disturbing. And now we're seeing more things happening across the Neponset River and in, in the city of Boston, which is a little troubling. I know, you know, urban areas were always going to have challenges. There's no yeah, question course, about yeah. it. But it seems to me, you know, and we you know we we can talk about the mass and cast. We could talk about the festival recently in Boston. All the shootings seem to be regular, and you know, you watch the news at night now and. You know, you just kind of shrug your shoulders like, oh, another night. It it There's no outrage anymore because there's no shock anymore. Mm. Uh, the regularity of what's going on in the cities, it's we've accepted it, you know. And uh, I think that's really disturbing for our nation as a whole, and, and we need to tackle that. And, you know, with all the crap over the last few years, we've lost the focus of law and order. You know, because a handful of perhaps around the country of— um, Uh, Police officers that weren't doing the job appropriately, whether it was through lack of training or just their personality or whatever, you know, we shouldn't judge, you know, entire police departments and committees on a few bad actors. I mean, if we did that with every profession, you know, you'd be writing them all off. You know, so (laughs) so we got to be we got to be practical. And the other thing I always said during that time period was, you know, uh, that's not Quincy, that's not Massachusetts. Yet that was the reaction. The Senate couldn't wait to pass a. First of its kind in the country, this police reform bill. And I know I'm going off here. i got to get back to the, to no, the mission. But it, it's not its not right. But, it's, again, it's that overreaction. And you're going to create a situation where police officers are going to hesitate. They're not going to go into situations because of the fear of being sued, what it may cost them, him and his family, their house. I mean, there's a lot to this that people don't really think about. But, but back to Quincy, right? So when I first took office a few years ago, There was 142 patrolmen in the police department. Today we have 185, you know, and we've, we're up in sergeants. So total personnel at the police department were up dramatically. We've been at the, uh, we haven't had this number of personnel probably in 40 years. And I would also argue the same on the fire side. I know we talked a few months back on this show about the additional ladder truck put back in service, but it's also about the manpower and, and I can say manpower because we don't have any women on the fire department. It, and it's yeah. a civil service list. Right, right. So we take what the state sent us for a list for both police and fire. Uh, having said that, we're in a good place now because we've incrementally added each and every year to the personnel of both departments. Incrementally. I mean, when a lot of cities were stopping, defunding, Boston made major cuts in the overtime accounts, they overreacted to this craziness that we were going through. So, you know, I've always said that that's not going to happen in Quincy. When I look around, it's not going to happen here. Right. We've got an outstanding police department, an outstanding fire department. They're well trained, well educated, professional. I get you know comments from people all the time. You know, not everyone calls nine one one, and I get it. And um, you know, thank God you don't have to call nine one one. But those times when people have to, whether it's for a medical emergency, a fire, or a domestic, whatever the case may be. Uh, I always get comments on how incredibly professional and compassionate our men and women of the police department and the men in the fire department have been, so I'm certainly proud of of the leadership in these departments. I'm proud of the individuals who serve the community each and every day. You know, a police officer goes out, a firefighter goes out to their shift every day and leaves their family. You don't know what's going to happen that day, right you really don't and i you know uh, thank God we haven't had any uh, any uh, major issues in recent years with uh, losing a life in that regard, but they put it on the line each and every day. It's much like when many of these guys and and women were in the service. They were veterans before they came on the police and fire. And the old saying is, you know, someone that signs up takes the oath for military service. They're signing a blank check to the United States of America, including and up to their life. And I know that sounds a little corny, but it's real. It's a fact. And to some degree, that's the same way with the police and fire. So we should never underestimate or not appreciate the commitment made by our members of the police and fire department. So it's, it's crucial in a city town. I don't care what you call it, uh, Hamlet, wherever you call it around the country, but it's a crew. It's crucial that people feel safe in their person and safe in their homes. Now I'm not saying we don't have issues. We, we have challenges and we have issues, but I can tell you, I would feel safe walking any time of the day or night in this city on any street anywhere. And you can't say that for a lot of cities our size. And none of that
0: happens by
1: accident. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, when you say uh, it's been this, it's been the
1: best since in 40 years, is that just personnel or what goes into that? Well, it's, it, as far as the numbers go, you know, I, I, I said this to people and people drive by a firehouse, right? And they see the the glass doors and those pieces of apparatus behind those doors. In a lot of communities, they're not properly manned. So, if if a fire truck goes out and there's only two people on it, you can't properly use the pump truck cuz you need at least 3. Oh wow. Uh ladder trucks you should have 4. So what happens is is in a lot of communities the you know you heard of a first alarm, second alarm fire, yep. 4 alarm fire. Yep. That's all about manpower and equipment. But if you don't have the manpower, you're going to have more alarms. So the so these apparatus become taxis to get more manpower to the scene. So you can't be fooled by driving by a firehouse and thinking because seconds matter in a fire. Yeah, it matters. I mean, seconds yeah. turn into minutes, and, and before you know it, uh, something's out of control. So it's the safety of our residents and the safety of those folks that are that are working the the fire apparatus that matters first. And you can't do that without the appropriate manpower. So we are at a place where we have appropriate manpower. On all the pieces of equipment. In every neighborhood. In every station. Eight
0: stations. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, one of the other things I noticed, too, is a few years back, we did some upgrades to the traffic lights and to the whole system, again, to save seconds. So when these fire trucks and the police go, they can they can change some of the traffic yeah, there's, lights, there's, right?
1: Yes, it's, it's an automation thing where it it makes the traffic light work whatever direction they're going, which helps you navigate through that that intersection. So, yeah, that, the technology has been great in that regard, uh, for, for sure. And so we've got, you know, we've got eight stations around the city. And of course, we're in the process of uh, building a new public safety headquarters, which is a new police station. The administration of the fire department will be there. And the emergency management offices will be in this building under one roof as well. And that's long overdue. I mean, the police station was an absolute dump. I mean, it <laughs> the addition that was done in the 80s was a really feeble attempt at trying to provide a better station. It was it really, when you look back at it, it was probably a bad decision. They should have gone new with that stop. But having said that, here we are. The station is being built and, and it's going to have all the appropriate bells and whistles, if you will, of, of the certain standards and stuff for cell blocks and things now and, and the, the old station just was was a problem. You walked in that station, it was very unwelcoming, it was not friendly to the public. It really, uh, really was a dump. And, it, you know, roof leaked, HVAC problems from day one challenging. So a city our size, we should have a facility that allows our men and women uh, to have a place that they can appropriately work out of, as well as the public to come there, feel welcomed and be serviced uh, in that facility as well. So i um, proud of that. And we, we, we purchased across from Central Firehouse a few years ago on Quincy Avenue, that empty lot that was owned by National Grid with the idea of down the road building a new firehouse to replace the old one there. So you know, the old adage of um, Will Rogers saying, buy land, they ain't making any more of it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the land was vacant. It was We go bought it at a cheap dollar, knowing down the road we're going to build a new firehouse. Well, if that went up for development, you couldn't buy the development and knock it down. It's a key location, just like we did with St. Mary's School for a future elementary school in West Quincy. You know, appropriate planning going forward uh, makes so much more sense. In this case... We've been chipping away at the firehouses individually on maintenance and improvements and roofs and, and et cetera. But, uh, you know, and they were they were neglected for a long time, a long time. And that gets back to a comment I make all the time <laughs> about our public assets. These capital public assets, whether it's police station, firehouses, libraries, schools, park department, whatever it may be, DPW garages and all, they are assets that are owned by the city we're responsible to the public for maintaining them. And at some point, just like at your house, if you don't maintain it, over time, it's going to cost you a lot more to fix it up to where it should be. So we've spent a lot of effort over the last several years working on our on our infrastructure, not only on our roads, pipes and all, but on our vertical infrastructure, which is our buildings. And we've got more than 80 building structures that we maintain. So it's we're catching up. We're making some, some really good progress. But I tell you, it really... Comes down to feeling safe in your community, having good response times when people need help, the police or fire are there in a short period of time. And then we're augmented, of course, by a Brewster ambulance, which is our ambulance service that's contracted with the city as well. So I don't think, um, I don't know that any community has as good response times as us when it comes to cities our size. Well, you know, when you just talked about
0: the public safety headquarters and you mentioned at the end of that that emergency management services. Now you've changed emergency management our emergency management team or how it all works since you're, since you've been mayor. And it's something that people don't think about. I mean, right. unless we're like, look at what's happening in Hawaii right now and, and disasters that happen around. Well, we also live in God New England, right? God help those people. So, God help those people. Exactly. Yeah. So when we think about uh, where we live, We had a very mild winter last year, but if there's a storm or there's some sort of disaster, we need that emergency management office in place. So, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah,
1: so um, Ali Sleeman is our director of emergency management now. He was 20 years in the U.S. Army. He's got a lot of background in logistics, so he was a good match. Our our operation over the years has been kind of a little bit part-time, a little bit full-time, but we felt it was time really to bring it to a new level, just like we were at with the police and fire. So Emergency management, and by the way, we're required to have plans in place to get approved by the state with MEMA. At the federal level, it's FEMA. So all these things are required as a community to make sure we're eligible for those grants and things that augment our department. So it's it's first and foremost important there. And, and people know over the years the kind of incidents we've had, some of the incredible bad floods we've had, whether it's in Alrick Road and West Quincy along Brook or whether it's the coastal front of Meadows and Post Island, and some of those places are inundated in in, in eighteen, for example. So yeah. we have plans that that we kick into motion. For example, times you have to set up a shelter. So Ali Sleeman and his crew, uh, Cameron Hopper, they they would immediately move, bring the equipment in, set up the operation, get the word out, and actually have transportation available to get these people to a temporary shelter in
0: rapid time. In
1: rapid time, and that and that's that's one example of the importance of having. Uh, such an operation emergency management and all that it entails and then of course they do their thing which is part of the greater mission of each of the departments whether it's if it's a hurricane we have a lot of tree issues it's obviously the forestry division of natural resources and public works working together if it's the flooding issues the the drain department of the public works is very involved in manipulating the tide gates at certain, uh, tides, you know, tide levels and yeah. so forth to try to minimize yeah. the impact of the flooding. Um, there's a lot that goes into this planning. And, uh, and I know we meet on a regular basis, um, police chief, fire chief, emergency manager, director, commission of public works, commission of natural resources, commission of public buildings, because there's protocols when things happen on what we do with the buildings. For example, you don't even think about it, but in the course of the winter time, when you have a real deep freeze, for example, all our school buildings, the are constructed, instructed go all throughout the whole building. For when the school is over, open all doors so you get heat flowing. You know, you don't isolate in some areas, and that's when you get the freeze-ups with pipes, which yeah. cause all kinds of damages. Yeah. So, all these little things that you don't really think about, but these have been thought about by these agencies, these departments, and divisions that they know what they need to do depending on the emergency, which all speaks back to public safety. Public indeed, safety. yeah, indeed.
0: So let's talk about sometimes when we have to bring in other communities because we do work with other communities, whether we've helped them or they help us. Or Talk a little
1: bit about that. Yeah, they perfect. I mean, for the, for the fire service, for example, we're part of a system whereby, and it's all in place, if there's a major fire in Weymouth, certain engines of ours go, and then Boston backfields our station. If it is something in Boston, and it's already a sign, depending on where in Boston, we have engines and ladders that go cover Boston. It's part of the Metro Fire uh, services. So it's important that we have good coverage all the time. Now, I would suggest sometimes those communities that don't have as much coverage get away with it a little bit more because we have good coverage. So it's not always fair across the board, but we do the best we can work with each other. Now, the police side, we have shared resource, for example, the Marathon. Our, our bicycle units, our shopshooters all go in and serve with Boston and the state police to make sure that the marathon is, is safe for everybody. When there's special events in Boston, sometimes they call us for, for those things. We've had Boston help us on in, in, in different occasions. In fact, during the um, the the marches and things during the uh, last few years, we, we had a major plan for a major, and it turned out to be more than 4,000 people that were rallying on the whole injustice issues and so forth. Well, we reached out, To the uh, governor who sent us some of the National Guard to stay at the Adams Mansion and birthplaces to protect those. Because it was just crazy that time. People weren't thinking. And, And that's when, when you have events like that, you get the real evil criminals that take advantage of those situations, move in and do those wacky things. So... There's all these plans in place. We have relationships with the communities around us to make sure that we're safe, not only here, but in the region. And we're glad to help, and we're glad to get the help when we need it. And um, so it's important that the communities uh, come together on those issues. And then we meet on a regular basis with those communities on homeland security. We're part of an organization, UASI it's called, and we get grant money from the feds for that, but we coordinate when there could be a potential Catastrophe of some type in the region, how we all react and respond and, and coordinate things. So people don't think about those things. No, they don't. But the professionals do. And we try to be as prepared as we possibly can for any particular uh, emergency or catastrophe that may hit us. Well, that was nice to hear, too, because, you know, we're not totally isolated. We do have our
0: partners around. That's nice to hear. Absolutely. And that is our update on public safety. What do you think, Mayor?
1: Yeah, no, I, I hope that, um, you know, we provide a little information that people uh, maybe. Learn a little bit today. But I do want to just in a final note say a big thank you on behalf of the people of Quincy for our police and fire who do an outstanding job each and every day. They really do and that's a good way to wrap it up. I think we will. We'll see you next time
0: on City View.